This episode of the Weekly Standard Podcast is sponsored by The Great Courses. The Great Courses brings engaging video and audio lectures presented by top professors and professionals on a wide variety of subjects to your fingertips. And now, for a limited time only, The Great Courses is giving our listeners an offer of up to $90 off the original price of four courses within the Everyday Gourmet series of instructional cooking courses. Choose from Essential Secrets of Spices and Cooking, Making Healthy Food Taste Great, Baking Pastries and Desserts, or Making Great Meals in less time for only $9.95. This great price of $9.95 is only available for a limited time, so order today. Go to thegreatcourses.com slash WS to find out more. That's thegreatcourses.com slash WS. Welcome to the Weekly Standard Podcast. I'm your host, Michael Graham. With us in the Weekly Standard is Michael Warren. Before we start, I want to play this excerpt from Jeb Bush so everyone knows what we're talking about. If this election is about how we're going to fight to get nothing done, then I don't want anything, I don't want any part of it. I don't want to be elected president to sit around and see gridlock just become so dominant that people literally are in decline in their lives. That is not my motivation. I got a lot of really cool things that I could do other than sit around being miserable, listening to people demonize me and me feeling compelled to demonize them. That is a joke. Elect Trump if you want that. So, wow, Jeb Bush, I got better things to do with my time? You know, you, why don't you just go ahead and elect Donald Trump? Where the heck did that come from? I mean, this is uh, this is a guy who said he he only wanted to run for president if there was joy uh, in his heart, if it was a joyful experience. Well, it doesn't sound like it's been very joyful, and uh, I kind of can't blame him for feeling that way. I mean, it's he, he's uh, I think the latest Iowa poll has him at six point eight percent, which is you know about as about as good as uh, as any of the other run of the mill candidates. Uh, none of the field has has cleared for him, and you've got this whole Donald Trump thing that is has really uh, dogged him this whole time. I, Jeb Bush just doesn't sound very happy about running for president, which is a bad thing if you're running for president. Definitely. But also, I've got cooler things I could be doing. Like, what, I mean, what's cooler than running for president of the United States? And once again, you're the guy who wanted to make this run, Jeb. People were not begging Jeb Bush to get into this race. There was not a clamor. This was something that he decided on his own over what seemed to be some family concerns or objections. And now that he's in it, he's like, oh, I got cooler stuff. I could be windsurfing with John Kerry or skeet shooting with Dick Cheney. I got better things I could be doing with my time. I, I think that 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 is v- even more revealing than than it seems at first uh, glance, because I mean, that's the feeling that people have about Jeb Bush, that he's from he's a scion of this great political family, that two of his you know immediate family members have already been president. And there's a sense that he was doing this as sort of a, uh, a sort of a vanity project almost. And that, you know, that to, for him to say, you know, I could be doing cooler things. I think a lot of people hear that and say, yeah, you could. So why are you doing this? Um, there is something uh, I think deeply revealing about uh, his expectations for what it was like. Think back to uh, the times that uh, that the, the Bushes have been elected president in 2000 and, and 1988. Uh, what really did they face in terms of uh, a significant primary challenge? Bush, George W. Bush really had nothing. John McCain sort of came in at the end and gave him some some headaches. Uh, and then in 88, of course, there was uh, uh, there was the sort of um, 
beginning, you know, I guess Pat Robertson and sort of right. scared. But but ultimately, they they both kind of had cakewalks uh, to the nomination. Uh, 1980, you know, H.W. Uh, struggles to win and and, and doesn't win, uh, and and ends up uh, you know taking on uh, uh, Reagan as uh, you know being a part of that ticket. And so I think there is a, a sense of sort of entitlement, or at least it sort of it certainly feels that way uh, among the Bushes. And so to sort of have to go through all these hoops, you know, having to stand next to, of all people, Donald Trump at a debate and, and go through this and have to answer to, you know, his outrageous comments, I think is just, uh, it, it's too much for Jeb Bush. And and you know what, I think uh, that, that has, it says a lot about why his support is where it is. Yes. And then there's the uh, flippant, oh, if that's what you want, then vote for Trump. And I'm going, have you checked the poll numbers? Because about six times more people are, in fact, supporting Trump than are supporting you. It's it's a combination of entitlement and sour grapes that is a very pungent uh, concoction that he has put together here. And, and I think it's also a, a lack of understanding of where the Republican Party is right now on, on the part of Jeb Bush. You know, he, he's sort of running as a uh, he may have more conservative positions than his brother did, but he's sort of running as a centrist uh, uh, kind of bureaucratic um, uh, bureaucrat's dream, you know reforms on education and immigration, and uh, it's going to all be very serious and very policy-focused and, and, uh, and all these sorts of things. And that's the kind of campaign I'm going to run. Well, that, that's not what Republicans want. Republicans are angry, uh, rightfully so, over what's happened uh, in the Obama administration for the last seven years. Uh, they're angry at, at uh, establishment members and leaders in their own party, uh, and they're frustrated and, they, and, and they, they're worried about the future of the country. And, and Jeb Bush never really seems to have uh, that sense of urgency or, or concern. You know, it's, you know, these problems uh, are, 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 you know, surmountable and we can, we can face it. And, and, you know, this is the greatest time to be alive is, is something that Jeb Bush always says on the trail. And I think a lot of where Trump's support and, and the general sort of uh, uh, distrust for establishment Republican candidates right now is that people don't think it's the best time to be alive. They think things kind of suck right now in a lot of ways overseas. Um, the, the, the way things are in, in terms of uh, uh, in terms of cost of living and uh, and where the economy is and, and sort of the new normal. And, and I don't think Jeb Bush was really prepared to uh, – we're talking about him like he's already dropped out. Right. I mean this, this did sound like something you would say when you're about to drop out. But I don't think Jeb Bush really came to this campaign prepared for to face that kind of electorate uh, and to really address what that uh, Republican and general electorate was really interested in. And, and again, the quote is is so telling and, and kind of surprising for me to hear it, just to hear something what I think he probably thinks Jeb Bush does, but it, it was amazing to hear him say it out loud. Yeah, this is Jeb Bush acknowledging that if uh, 85% of the voters think the U.S. is on the wrong track, and they do in the latest poll, he's the wrong guy. This is the guy announcing, if you're really frustrated by the staggering impact on people's household incomes, we now have uh, half of all Americans making less than $30,000 a year. He's not your guy. I wonder if this won't be remembered, uh, Michael Warren, as kind of the 47% moment for Jeb Bush, the way that that infamous number was for Mitt Romney, that this is kind of the moment where people went, yeah, okay, time to move on, and, and that'll be that. 
Well, the difference was that Mitt Romney was uh, the nominee of the Republican Party, and and there was uh, an actual election sort of uh, hinging on how people viewed him. Uh, it's increasingly obvious that Jeb Bush doesn't have that sort of responsibility. I mean, being so low in the polls, having to cut staff and 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 finances in his campaign, having to have this uh, this super PAC come in. I mean, it really does. I mean, re- look, anything could happen. John McCain really pushed back from from being at a real low point uh, a little earlier than this time back in the 2008 cycle. Uh, so it, you can't entirely count Jeb Bush out, but it's really starting to feel like the beginning of the end for him. And uh, and so, you know, it, I guess it would matter more if more people were supporting him or there was more of a chance well, he could get the nomination. But I think it does matter because there are some other candidates who don't share his discomfort with campaigning, people like Rubio, Kasich, and others, where his supporters could go. And if you add those supports together now, suddenly you're in the top three or four you know, candidates consistently. I think that matters. But back to Mitt Romney, I thought it was interesting. Mitt Romney was praising Romney care because it gave us Obamacare. And Michael, I mean, you, you spend more time in D.C. than I do, but do these guys, Bush and Romney, not have any idea where the grassroots are on this stuff? <laughs> It was pretty baffling. Uh, I mean, the context of this is that uh, is that Tom Stenberg, who was Mitt Romney's business partner, who started Staples. Stenberg is actually the guy who started Staples. Romney just kind of came in with the capital right. to, to make it happen. Um, he died uh, over the, I guess, late last week, and Mitt Romney gave uh, an interview to the Boston Globe about this in which he praises Tom for, for really encouraging him to get involved in politics, in particular on health care politics. And, and this is where the quote comes in where he says, uh, you know, uh, without Tom, you know, there would not have been Romney care. And without Romney care, there would not have been Obamacare. And so really without Tom, a lot of people wouldn't get uh, wouldn't be on health insurance. I mean, it, it was sort of, it was the kind of thing where you could imagine all those Republican activists who were out there for for Romney in 2012 had to be going, wait, what exactly were we fighting for again? Um, and, and it really, I think, goes to show uh, sort of how willing Mitt Romney was uh, to kind of bend with where the party was, even when it uh, sort of cut against his sort of northeast moderate, uh, really, I think, where he actually is. In a way, Jeb Bush suffers from the, the uh, uh, an opposite problem, which is that he's sort of unwilling to understand where the, the party is and, and, uh, and, and move there. So Romney's problem was more one of authenticity. And I think this really just kind of came to show us that uh, those positions he was taking uh, in the 2012 general election, particularly on Obamacare, uh, weren't genuine. Michael Warren, you nailed it right there. Thanks so much for joining us. You've been listening to the Weekly Standard podcast. Please be sure to check weeklystandard.com regularly for podcast updates. I'm your host, Michael Graham.